16 uh, this morning, so if you have a copy of God's Word, go ahead and open it up, uh, physical or on your phone, whatever, Psalm 16, and as Tunde gets ready to read the scriptures, two things that I've been thinking about, number one, we need to rejoice in God for lots of reasons, uh, for bringing us back together being the main reason, and we come back together this morning as brothers and sisters in Christ, who by God's grace now own this building right behind me. Amen? Yes. So who knew that a global pandemic would equal out to a $200,000 discount? Anybody know that? I didn't know that. Amen. Second thing is I get to preach to you guys like for real. And uh, it's been since March 1st. That was my last sermon. So... Oh, I am so thankful to be back on this stage and to see your faces. And um, my brother Tunde, honor to have you here this morning to read scripture for us. So let's pay attention to Tunde and to God's word as he reads Psalm 16. Psalm 16. Uh, Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones, in whom is all my delight. The sorrow of those who run after another God shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out, or take their names on my lips. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines are falling for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I bless the Lord who give me counsel in the night also my heart instructs me I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand I shall not be shaken therefore my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices my flesh also dwells secure for you will not abandon my soul to shield or let my or let your only one see corruption you make known to me in the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Tunde, for reading the scriptures for us this morning. Let's give Tunde a hand. Thanks, brother. Bro, Tunde, are we good now? Oh, we're good now. Okay, Tunde, uh, you got an outfit like that for me, bro? Okay. Wouldn't you guys like to see me preaching that? I think that'd be pretty amazing. Yes, let's do that. Okay, so let's pray over the, the Word of God. Blessed are those who hear it and read it together. Father, thanks for the opportunity and the time that we have this morning to worship you, Jesus, to lift you high. God, we need you this morning. We're so thankful to be back together as a church family. It does something deep within our souls that is so good, so right, 
And God, thank you for the, the gift of your word and your truth. Lord, may you speak to us through this sweet song in Psalm 16. God, use your spirit to speak in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we approach Psalm 16, the main idea of this psalm is that God is everything. He's everything. There is no other thing more important than God, and change in me and change in you starts in the heart. Can I get a real amen? Yeah, there we go. Change starts in your heart. Change starts in my heart. Change does not start in the White House. Amen. It starts in Jesus' house. Change starts here. Where is our country going to change when we're hurting over the George Floyd situation? The racism thing that's been absolutely exploding onto our scene? Psalm 16 is telling us that change starts when it starts in our hearts, when we begin to see that God is everything. What ails our country and what is wrong with America is that we have turned away from God as a culture and He isn't everything to us anymore. The protests that many of you have watched on television, that went from television to real life in my life on Thursday morning at 11 a.m. As I walked across the street from the well... There was a protest that happened right over there at Evergreen Park. Chelsea came to my office. I had just gotten into the office because the tent guys were setting up the tent. So they're like, hey, we're setting up a tent. I'm like, you're supposed to be here tomorrow. And they're like, we're here today, so we need you here to tell us where the tent goes. So I drove in, showed them where the tent went, went into the well. Five minutes, I set my stuff up, get ready to start studying. Knock on my door, it's Chelsea. Chelsea's like, cars protest. What? Cars protest. I look out the window, sure enough, 150 people over there. And me being me, I was like, amen, I'm going over, right? I walked across the street and I stood amongst everybody that was gathered. And I just started talking to people. And I'll tell you what, it was peaceful Praise God. It was very powerful. The most powerful thing to me was looking into the eyes of other human beings made in the image of God whose souls were in real pain. And as I looked around, as I talked to different people, I began to see Psalm 16 in my mind saying, God, this pain is a result of us walking away from you and you're not everything to us anymore. God, forgive us. Church, I want to say it again as we approach Psalm 16. If we're going to see real change, we need to understand change starts in the heart. It starts in your soul and it starts in my soul. And if we're going to see change happen in this country, it's going to start in Jesus' house. The church is supposed to be the place where all the conversations can start and they can happen. Pastors have played a prominent role 
and helping quell some of the violence in the last week. Praise God. Pastors of every color, but with the heart of Jesus. And if we're going to be a church that's going to bring the change, we have to be a place where the conversation can happen. Not on Facebook, amen? Not on Twitter, amen? Not on social media, amen? I don't care what kind of crusade you've started on social media. Change happens life on life. And we need more of those conversations to happen. Change does not start with policy. Policy is a result of changed hearts and changed minds. Changed hearts happen when there are cultivated relationships, first vertical with God and then horizontal, Psalm 133.1. Relationships happen when believers in Jesus take steps of faith in the name of the one who bought them with, their, with his blood. In the day of nonstop media, there's so many voices vying for your attention. I'm here to plead with you this morning. We need to hear the voice of Jesus. Amen? We need to hear Christ's voice in Psalm 16. And God needs to become our everything. So that is Psalm 16. Let's dig in. Like I said, the theme is God is everything. The psalm starts with earnest prayer from the psalmist, David. And then it ends with this victorious, great confidence in God. God is everything. In verse 1, he is called preserver or protector. In verse 5, God is called our provider. In verse 7, God is called our counselor. In verse 8, God is called our stabilizer. And in verses 9 through 11, God is the God who carries us from this life into heaven. The only problem with, verse, with Psalm 16 is verse 4. It's all really beautiful and good and wonderful. And then you, you check out verse 4, and there is this, this verse right in the middle of the psalm. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply their drink offerings of blood. I will not pour out or take their name on my lips. The problem of Psalm 16 is verse 4, that there is idolatry happening and idolatry is a problem because it is multiplying the sorrows of David and his people, Israel. What is idolatry? Idolatry is taking anything that is man-made, anything that is material, and putting them above God, in front of God, and worshiping the created thing rather than the creator. That's idolatry. And idolatry is... It's a person, place, or thing that's bigger than God, and it's a problem. And you see that David says that idolatry causes sorrow. Can I get an amen? And if you have idolatry in your life, come on now, church. You got things that you are putting above and in front of Jesus. Those things are idols in your life. And when a person puts an idol in their lives, they're multiplying sorrow in their life. And when a culture puts things in front of God, the whole culture multiplies sorrow upon itself. Matthew Henry said this, they that multiply God multiply griefs. In 1 John, the Apostle John said, little children, keep yourself from idols. Church, I want you to look at verse 4 really closely this morning, and I want you to understand that because God is everything, we cannot embrace idolatry in our lives this morning. We can't do it. 
If we embrace the sin of idolatry, we, un- we have to understand that we can't take all this idolatry in and then kick God to the curb and then wonder why our lives are not hunky-dory. You understand what I'm saying? You can't kick God to the side of your life and be like, I want to do what I want to do. I want to exalt my idolatry. And then when life goes rough, you can't be like, God, where are you? We can't create a Jesus that we're comfortable with in our image. We can't divorce the Jesus of the Bible from the Jesus of my experience. We can't invent a new Jesus and say, okay, I want to invent the comfortable Jesus. Can I get an amen? You guys like the comfortable Jesus? He's the one that tells you all the sweet nothings in your ears, and he only brings encouragement, and every verse is soft, and there is no sin to call out. We like that Jesus. But the Jesus of the Bible is a a Jesus who cannot be contained by our understanding of truth, righteousness, and justice. And when Jesus is on the scene, you better watch out. Amen? We can't create a false Jesus that we're comfortable with and then expect everything to be fine. Church, as we look at Psalm 16, we need to repent. We need to change our mind. Our church needs to change our mind about how we're living, the attitudes we're taking, and we need to understand that repentance is not something we do on a Sunday morning. It's not something that you do and be like, hey, I came to church on June 7th, I sat underneath a tent, I heard a sermon, and then I repented and I said, yeah, God, I kind of feel bad about that. It's not a one-time thing. It's a lifestyle. Repentance is a lifestyle. Can I get a witness? I don't care what kind of prayer you prayed or when you prayed it, if you are not repenting now as a Christian, you're missing the whole Christian thing. We don't just repent when we get saved. We repent every day and we say, God, I have bad attitudes. I have bad thoughts. I have idolatry in my heart. And I have to say no to that and yes to you today. That's the kind of church I want to pastor. Amen? That's the kind of church I want you to be a part of. A church that is not stagnant in this reality that is sin. But a church that says God, I'm ready to make you everything in my life, and I'll do it every day. So there's actually six different prayers that the psalmist prays. But in the interest of time, I'm going to share three with you. Amen? Okay. So there are three prayers of repentance that I think flow out of this passage. And these prayers we should pray together. This morning, And the first prayer is found in verse 1, and that prayer is called, God, be around us. God, be around us. It says, preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord, I have no good apart from you. David starts the psalm by saying, preserve me, and that word means protect me. Be a hedge of protection around my life. Preserve me for... In you I take refuge. So the idea of David taking refuge in God is the fuel that causes him to say, preserve me. Okay, let me put it another way. If you're going to say, God, please protect me and preserve me, which many of you have prayed even this week. 
We did a hand raise of how many of y'all were praying for your protection this week or the protection of our country. Every hand would go up of all colors. But this, the reality of Psalm 16.1 is that David says, preserve me because, because I take refuge in you. Because I seek you and I am seeking my protection in you, please preserve me. You see, our protection in life is directly tied to our taking refuge in God. If you don't take refuge in God, you shouldn't confidently pray, God protect me. If you haven't read your Bible in like 16,000 years, you shouldn't be walking around this week saying, God protect me, protect me. No, no, you have to walk in the fear of the Lord in order to confidently pray, protect me. That's the first wake-up call for our church is we want to say, God, be around us. Be a protector for us. First thing we did when we set up this tent was pray over it. Pray a prayer of protection. But I shouldn't have any confidence that my prayer is being heard if I'm not walking in the fear of God. Job 7.20, Isaiah 49.7 and 8, John 17. Psalm 46.1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in times of trouble. If God is going to be everything to us, we need to trust him as our provider and our protector. And if we're going to do that, we need to walk in the fear of God. That's our first prayer. God, be around us. Church, do you understand what I'm saying? That's our prayer right now. I want you to pray that right now. God, be around me. Be around my life right now. Be around my family. Be around our country. Be around the city. You got to feel it, right? You have to feel the weight of this. We must pray this. You're not the only ones hurting in this culture, in this city, in this neighborhood. We have to pray it around our lives and our families and our place where we dwell and we love. So church, I want you to pray it now. It's a prayer of repentance. God, be around us. And if you haven't taken refuge in God, now's a good time to start. Second prayer, God, be in us. God be around us in verse 1. God be in us in verse 5. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot in your hands. The word portion and cup in verse 5 means food and drink. How many of you like food and drink? Can I get a witness? Amen. Can I get a real amen, people? Come on. There we go. All right, you like food. You like drink. All of us do. I like Diet Mountain Dew. Can I get a witness? Okay. Charles Spurgeon said, God is the meat and the drink of our souls. God is the meat and the drink of our souls. And for God to be everything to us, we need to pray, God be in us. God be in my heart. We need to be filled up in our souls with God. Our souls need to be filled up with God. If you're here this morning, I pray that your, your God tank goes from E to F, right? 
from empty to full. I want you to walk out of this tent thinking that was good meat and, and drink for my soul. Jesus said in John 6, verse 53, to eat his flesh and to drink his blood. Listen to the verse. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Jesus was saying, you're meant to know God personally, and the way to know God personally in your soul is through eating me and drinking me. Does that sound weird? Everybody in the crowd thought that was weird. Jesus' followers went from 20,000 to 12 after that sermon. Because he said, eat me, drink me. And everybody said, weirdo, I'm out. But Jesus meant spiritually, eat who I am. Drink who I am. Let my presence come into your heart. Let me rule over you. Let, let faith in me be the reality, the life-changing food that you need spiritually. The problem with our culture is that we are spiritually starved. Can I get a witness? The problem with our culture is that we are spiritually thirsty. Because of sin, we don't eat and drink God the way we should. We eat spiritual garbage and we drink spiritual alcohol to the time where we're spiritual drunk and we don't know what we're doing. What do you mean, Josh? What I mean is that we are so quick to go to social media and news and games and trivialities and we swallow it down freely all the time until we don't know what else to eat and in our pride we wonder why we're not satisfied. There's a candy bowl at the well. It's this really big candy bowl. It's filled with leftover Halloween candy from October. Amen. And it's filled with Starburst. Can I get a witness? Snickers, can I get an amen? Twizzlers, Lifesavers, all the good stuff, right? Now, if I go over to the well right now and I just gorge myself on candy, am I going to be satisfied? Ah, for a little bit I will. Come on, let's be honest. I will for a little bit. About three minutes. Then I'll have the worst stomachache in the history of the planet. And then I'll swear that I'll work out for the next 80 years if Jesus gets me through it, right? A lot of us are eating and drinking spiritual junk and Psalm 16 says, if the Lord is going to be everything to us, we must eat him and drink him. He must become our chosen portion and our cup. And in Christ, he has become that. That's prayer number two. Prayer number three, we've had God be around us, God be in us, and now God carry us. Verses 9 through 11, therefore... My heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure for you won't abandon my soul to shale or your holy one see corruption. You make known to me the paths of life. 
In your presence there is fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. You can sense in the therefore, in verse 9, that, that David is starting to climax the psalm. He's starting to feel really encouraged. At the beginning, he's like, preserve me, God. At the end, he's like, this is my God. Therefore, because of all this truth, God, carry us and carry us into heaven is the main idea. David is talking about ultimate reality, death. He says, you won't abandon my soul to shale or let your Holy One see corruption. David brings up in verse 10 the worries that all of us have, which is death. That's the ultimate reality is death. And we want to know deep in our soul, God, don't let me alone when I die. Right? Don't abandon me at that moment when I'm about ready to die and enter into eternity. Don't abandon me then. It's a worry that all of us have. It's deep within us. It's the reality of every headline you have seen this week. The tragedy is that life was taken unjustly. That's the reality of what we've been watching That is the reality. Whether you're conservative or liberal, guess what? Everybody wants to live, amen? I don't care what your political position is. Every single person wants to live, and we know that the grave is coming. For every one of us, the grave is coming, and that moves people to be afraid. And what David says is that when God is everything, God removes the fear of death and he will not abandon us. Those who believe in God's truth and his salvation, God will not abandon your soul to hell. Amen? That's a truth you need this morning. That's a truth we need to pray as a church this morning. When fear comes into your heart, you need to say, God, carry me. Carry me from death to life. Carry me from this world to the next world, heaven. Carry me home, Jesus. Because God was everything. David said, you're not going to abandon my soul to hell. Hell is a real place. It's where people go who don't believe in Christ. Mark 9, 43, hell is talked about. Hell is a terrible reality of thought. But in order for God to be everything to us, we need to see him as the only one who will be faithful to carry us to heaven. Pastor Josh can't carry you to heaven. Amen. Can't do it. I could try. I probably couldn't even carry you 10 feet if you got on my shoulders. No human being can carry you to heaven. Only Jesus can carry you to heaven. Amen. And heaven, where where is heaven? It's a place of fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. And Jesus said in John eleven twenty five, 25, I am the resurrection and the life. Anybody who believes in me, even though he dies, he'll never die. He'll live forever. Jesus told the disciples in John 14, I go to prepare a place for you. So God needs to be everything to us. He needs to be around us. He needs to be in us. And he needs to carry us. You see Jesus in Psalm 16? Church, you see him? He's there. 
He's the only man who ever had God with him, around him all the time. He came to this earth and God the Father surrounded his every day, his every ministry, his every miracle, his every prayer. Jesus is the guy who did it. Jesus had God in him all the time. You can see this in John 7 and John 8 and John 12. The Father was always in Jesus and Jesus was always in the Father. And there was this beautiful reality of Psalm 16 played out in Jesus' life. And Jesus resurrected from the dead and he ascended into heaven. He's the only man who ever successfully beat death. And he is resurrected and God carried him to heaven. So Jesus is the real hero of Psalm 16. And if we're going to come back to him and make him everything, we need to place our faith and our trust in Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this incredible opportunity to be back together as a church. God, be around us. Surround our church. Surround our people with your love and your protection. God, may we take refuge in you. Forgive us. Lord, be in us. Be in us through Christ. May we sense your presence inside of us now. And Lord, please carry us. Carry us through this life. Carry us into heaven through the resurrecting power of Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, Isaiah said, by your stripes we are healed. Lord, healing starts with us in Jesus' house. Racial reconciliation starts in your house, Jesus. Relational reconciliation starts in your house. And so God, we humbly repent. We change our direction. God, help us to repent this morning of sin and to embrace not just a a decision once, but Lord, a, a lifestyle that is full of repentance. God, we humbly pray. We put our iPhones down, we put our phones down, and we pray. Lord, that you would cause us to be a people of prayer, a passionate, repentant prayer. God, we pray that that you would make our prayer meetings, Lord, more attended than our Sunday mornings. That's what it's going to take for our country, Lord, to come into this place where you mean everything to us again. Lord, help us to put Jesus into our conversations. Help us to talk about the Savior who bought us. Help us to walk by faith, develop relationships, God, with people who don't look like us, don't talk like us, don't sound like us. Oh, God, would you give your church the power and the passion to be everything to us so that we might reach every tribe, every tongue, every nation for you, God. Start here. Start here. Living Waters Fellowship in South Carolina. Start here, God. neighborhoods. Lord, before we conquer the world for you, may we just conquer our neighborhoods for you. Jesus, we love you. May we repent, pray, and make decisions that will honor you in all things.